I ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me for our scripture reading for our sermon text this morning. We'll be in Romans chapter 15, and we're going to read together verses 4 through 7. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 15. We'll read together verses 4 through 7. say it took a lot out of me this week to to write this sermon i had it just i just felt like the lord kept laying more stuff on my heart that i that i need to say that i need to share and so i've packed a lot into this i'm gonna try to go through it at a pretty steady clip so we don't you know so we're not doing communion at 12 30 so i'm gonna try and keep the pace going here but i wrote out most of it so i should stay on track Romans chapter 15, let's read together verses 4 through 7. I ask if you would please stand with me as we read together Holy Scripture. This is the Word of God for us, His people. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of hope Excuse me, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Father, we ask that you would... Send your Holy Spirit from heaven to do what only He can do. And that's to bless not only the reading of your word, but now the preaching of that word. Would you make it powerful and effective in our hearts, minds, and lives today? Would you change us to be more conformed to the image of our Savior Christ? May you teach us what we need to know and open our hearts to receive it and to run from this place with joy to do all you have commanded us. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Those of you who have been with us know that we're in the middle of, we're at the beginning rather, of a new series where I've gone through, for those of you who aren't aware... What we're doing is I have gone through the Bible, mostly the New Testament, and I have found every verse that commands us to do something with or to or for one another. That's our key word, one another. And I have taken them and categorized them. And some of these could go and you could argue they go in a different category. But I've taken them all and I've broken them down and categorized them into ten one another commandments. And this week, we are on number three. So a quick recap. Two weeks ago, we began studying these ten specific one another commandments. The first commandment is love one another. Last week, we looked at the second commandment. Flowing out of our love for each other, we are commanded to be at peace with one another. 
If we love each other, let us strive to be at peace and live in harmony together. Those were the last two weeks. Those first two one another commandments are primarily about our hearts. The focus is on our attitude, our mindset, our whole approach to being the body of Christ, being members of one another. We strive with all our hearts to love and live harmoniously together. This is our deep commitment to one another. And out of this heart, so committed to love and peace, a whole host of loving and peacemaking behaviors follow. And I emphasized, especially two weeks ago on love one another, I emphasized there that God cares deeply about our hearts, but He wants us to act independent of our mood. Our, our Facebook page gets very few comments, but two weeks ago, one comment was, I think there were three, and one of them was hilarious. It just was one quote from what I said. It's always interesting what people take away from the sermons, like what word or phrase or point sticks out. And to this commenter, what stuck out was when I said, mood schmood. <laughs> and that's all it was, mood schmood, amen. <laughs> Because God doesn't give a hoot about our mood. We have to act independently of how we feel. So if you don't particularly feel loving or you don't feel like being peaceful with somebody, mood schmood. We're commanded to do it. And so we emphasize that it's those obedient behaviors that's the goal of God's commandments. He wants us to be good. He wants us to be holy and righteous and sanctified and walk in His ways. To be new creatures on the narrow way. And not to turn to the right or to the left to step off that path of obedience. The heart's not unimportant. It's just not the only thing that's important. These obedient behaviors, these good works, are the goal of God's commandments. And the gospel is designed to free us from sin and give us the new heart that we need in order to be the kind of people who live obedient lives full of good works. The gospel's not there just to get us to do different things, but to be fundamentally, radically different people who naturally walk in obedience. Now that we've established the attitude and commitment of our hearts in those first two one another commandments in the last two weeks, we begin this morning moving on to the to outward. We get to, let me rephrase. This morning we're going to begin moving outward into specific courses of action that God calls us to walk in together. So if those first two were more about getting our, our mind and our hearts oriented towards these one another's, being committed to love and peace in our body, this morning we begin moving outward into specific courses of action. So including this morning, the next four one another commandments, three, four, five, and six, are about four positive one another's that we should cultivate in our church. 
And then the last four, seven, eight, nine, and ten, are about the four one another's that teach us how to deal with conflict and flaws and failures in the body, to deal with those things biblically. So that's where we're heading in the next few weeks. Today, we consider the third one another commandment, and it is welcome one another. Welcome one another. And you see this in verse 7 of our text. Paul says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, right away, I want you to notice a couple of things about verse 7. Notice first that word, therefore, at the beginning. Paul links this command directly to a text that we looked at last week. You see back in verses 5 and 6, he says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. There's that peace we talked about last week. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God grant you to be in harmony together so that you can be unified in your worship. So that you together can bring glory to God as a harmonious, united body. Not a divided, divisive body. And this is God's gift. Paul prays for it. May, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you this. It's a gift we have to pray for and receive. And then once we receive it, we have to act it out, live it out, maintain it in our body. And the point is, we need to be in harmony so that we can glorify God. And then the next thing Paul says is, therefore, welcome one another. Flowing from our peace and harmony with each other, which is a divine gift provided to us by the gospel of grace, therefore, we are To welcome each other. The welcoming flows from the peace. Notice the second thing about verse 7. Notice the model of how we are to welcome each other in verse 7. Look what it says. Therefore welcome one another. How? As Christ has welcomed you. Jesus is our model. Jesus is our example. Jesus sets the standard for how we are to welcome one another. And so a, depending on how you look at it, disturbing question to ask is how does Jesus welcome us? And ooh, what obligation does that put on me? Jesus welcomes us like this. He does not allow our sins and shortcomings to separate us from his love. Jesus welcomes us with mercy, compassion, and patience. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, Love one another as I have loved you. And here it says, welcome as Jesus welcomes us. Christ is our model to imitate. He is our example to follow. He is our standard to strive for. We are to love like he loves. We're to welcome like he welcomes. And his welcoming is full of gospel grace. Full of patience. 
full of never-ending love. Notice one more thing about verse 7. Notice third now that the goal, the goal that ought to motivate our obedience. Notice what it is in verse 7. What's the goal? Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. What for? For the glory of God. Just as the purpose of peace is to glorify God, we talked about that last week, so welcoming one another is ultimately an act of worship that brings glory to God. It lifts high the name of Christ when we welcome one another in His name in the same way He welcomed us. And now this raises the next logical question, and this will be the focus of our sermon today. What does it mean to welcome one another? And how do we do that? What does it mean? How on earth do we do it? There are three points that I want us to see in answering this question. First, welcome means going together. You should have a handout in your bulletin with the sermon notes on it. Welcoming means Going together. Now what's the idea here? Well, sometimes maybe when, when two people start dating, they've been dating a couple of weeks, and you say, okay, um, so tell, tell me how it's going. How you guys doing? Oh man, we, we go really good together. We really go well together. What do they mean by that, we go together? Well, they mean, man, we're a good fit. We're a pretty good match. We have a lot in common. We seem to click. We belong together. Something like that. Four times in the New Testament, we're told, greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> greet one another with a kiss or with a holy kiss. Four different times we're told to do that. So what's that about? We don't do that anymore. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> No one offered you a smooch when you came in the door this morning. Okay, so we don't do that anymore. What's the, what's the idea there? The idea is we are to receive, welcome, accept each other with open arms and warm affection. As brothers and sisters in Christ. A holy kiss. And so welcome, the idea of this word welcome in verse 7, it starts there. It, it means receiving, accepting. Welcome means providing each other a place of belonging. That's the idea we're driving at. It means providing each other a place of belonging. You and me, we go together. Whoever you are, if you're part of this body, you belong with us. You are one of us. You are included. You belong here. Welcome, brother. Come in, sister. Be with us. This is your place. You fit right here. People in our culture are looking for a place to belong. What can I be a part of? What can I belong to that matters, that gives me meaning and significance? The body of Christ ought to be that. Come to the body of Christ. Belong. Be. Welcome. We go together. Welcoming begins there, but it actually goes 
much deeper than that. Going together doesn't just mean we provide each other this place of belonging. It means we actually go together. We walk with each other. It means we go through life together. This Greek word for welcome, yeah, it can just mean receive, accept, but it also just means to take someone with you. I'm going here and I'm taking you with me. I'm going to the store. You want to go with me? This is the word. You're coming with me. I'm taking you with me. We're going together. This verse is calling us, guys. It's calling us. It's calling us to go through life with one another. Not just welcome and greet and say hi and be friendly on Sundays. But it means to actually go with each other through life. We need to be in each other's lives. We need to be in each other's lives. We need to have true biblical fellowship. And sometimes that word fellowship just gets so watered down. It just means hanging out and having a good time. We're going to have fellowship. Come have some coffee and we'll chit chat. Fellowship includes that. That stuff's great. But man, it's what, Christian fellowship isn't just chit-chat, hanging out, sharing a cup of joe. Fellowship comes from a Greek word that means sharing a common life. Sharing a common life. Acts 2.44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Does that mean they all enjoyed the same interests? Oh man, you, 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 like, uh, you like that kind of food? Oh, I love that kind of food. You like those movies? Those are great movies. I love those movies. Oh, we're into the same stuff. We have a lot in common. We're compatible. Let's, let's, let's go hang out. It doesn't mean that. It means we shared our lives together. We had our whole lives in common. We lived a common life together. We went together. That's what the early church did. That's fellowship Deep, biblical, sharing a common life. We need, in other words, guys, to get to know each other. We need to learn each other's stories. We need to spend time in each other's presence. We need to develop deep, meaningful, authentic friendships and relationships. And for that, we have to invest the time and energy and effort in one another that it takes to be real friends. We have to make the effort... Not just to reach out to someone else, but to open ourselves up to letting another person get to know us and share life with us. And I'm talking about in our church, with our fellow believers in Christ, our brothers and sisters right here at the Forks. We need to build and foster and cultivate real, deep, meaningful friendships. We need to go together. Welcome one another means we're going Together, through life. Going together means we provide a place of true belonging. And out of a heart commitment of love and peace, we go through life together as friends, accepting each other as Christ has accepted us for the glory of God. That's what welcoming means. And if that's what welcoming means in theory, what does it mean in practice? 
What's it look like? How do I get started? That takes us now to point two. Welcome doesn't just mean going together. It means gathering together. Let me preface this point by saying two things can be true at once. Two things can be true at once. So I'm going to say the first thing that can be true, and you're going to say, hold on a minute. Well, hold on. Just wait. Because another thing is going to be true at the end of point two. So just go with me. Okay? Go with me. See what the Holy Spirit has to tell us. The reality is, you cannot be in each other's lives. You cannot share a common life. You cannot build strong friendships and do the one another's as the body of Christ, as God commands us to do, if you're never around each other. And if you're never with each other in person. Technology is a wonderful gift. It helps us tremendously. I hope there's a ton of people watching right now. And I hope a ton of people will watch this later. It's a beautiful gift we have that enables people who aren't able to be here present in person on Sundays can tune in from anywhere in the world. And people are. People are watching. And that's glorious. We need that. I praise God for that part of our ministry here. But guys, it is no substitute for in-person face-to-face fellowship. It is a wonderful luxury to have as a fallback option. But it's no substitute and is never intended to be a substitute for being in person, being face-to-face, being together. Have you guys ever wondered, let me just ask you this question. I was talking about this with uh, some of the elders a couple weeks ago. Have you ever wondered why 2nd and 3rd John are so short? I mean, they're just, in my Bible, in this Bible, and this is a, a big Bible, it's two pages, 2nd John, 3rd John. But in small print, you could easily fit two whole letters of the New Testament on one page. And have you ever just thought, why are those in there? Might feel impious to think, why is that book in the Bible? It's not a bad question. Why are they so short? Why are they in there? I'll tell you why. Because the letters actually tell us why they're so short. Listen to 3 John, the end of the letter. 3 John, verses 13 and 14. The elder John says, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Think of all the inspired revelation, glorious doctrine, theology, life that John could have... Oh, no, John, give us five, six, seven volumes. (laughs) More pages. I wish it was longer. Teach us. Let the Holy Spirit... No. I got a ton of stuff I'd like to tell you, but I would really, really rather not write it down. I'd rather us be face-to-face so I can tell you then. Hmm. Second John's even better. 2 John uh, verse 12. Though I have much to write to you. Oh, please write it down. No. Though I have much to write to you, 
I would rather not use paper and ink. Listen to this. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Fellowship is a face-to-face activity. Fellowship is done in person. And when that can't happen, technology is a great fallback. But it's meant to be done in the same room, at the same table. And you notice at the end of Second John 12 there, a vital aspect of Christian joy depends on being in person. A huge, we're missing out on a huge part of our Christian joy because of this big obstacle we talked about a few weeks ago because of COVID. And as many necessary changes as we've had to make to be careful and cautious and all that, one of, nothing you do isn't going to be all good. It's, you're going to pay a price somewhere. And one of the prices we pay from being divided by COVID is that we're missing out on a vital aspect of joy. There's a level of Christian experience that we've just cut ourselves off from. Technology helps us bridge that gap, but it's not sufficient to sustain your soul or to maintain the health and strength of the church. The longer we are apart the more distant we will become, not just socially distant, but spiritually and relationally distant. The longer we're apart, the more distant we will become, the more we will drift, the harder it will be to be the body of Christ and the less joy we will have. Depression and anxiety is spiking all over the place. Because people weren't meant to be isolated in their little rooms for months and months and months. And the body of Christ was never designed by the Lord to be like this. If you are going to survive as a Christian, and if we are going to thrive as a body, you need, to, you need an in-person connection, not just an internet connection. Now, there are two main types of gatherings that I want to highlight that the Bible elsewhere calls us to. Two main types of gatherings. Welcome one another means gathering together. And there are two types of gatherings I want to mention here. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Gathering number one that we should prioritize is gathering for worship right here on the Lord's Day. It is essential that we keep these doors open That we continue to meet for worship. That we continue to open the hymnal and open the psalter and sing God's praises because we are commanded to do so. 
it is vital that we continue to meet for worship as the body of Christ on the Lord's day. Because this is the purpose of the church. To be the congregation of the Lord who worships and praises His name. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, speaking to the Christians, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? Why do you belong to God? What's the purpose? That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You were made for worship and you were redeemed for worship. You exist for His glory first and foremost. God's purpose for you is to figure out how to be faithful right where He's put you in your sphere of the world, in your sphere of life, and to do it in a way that brings most maximal glory to Him. And one of the things that He's called the whole body to do is to gather and to worship. It's why the church exists. It's not the only reason the church exists. But it is the most important. That's our purpose. To be the God-glorifying people of this world. To shine His marvelous light into the earth. Shrouded in darkness. That's our purpose. So we have to keep meeting. We have to come here as a group. It is disobedience to the word and will of God. To willfully neglect gathering together for worship on the Lord's Day. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, the Bible says. It's simple disobedience to willfully neglect gathering here for worship. We neglect an absolutely crucial part of our Christian lives when we forsake the assembly of the body for worship. There is a fundamentally different dynamic to being present in one room with your fellow believers. It's just, I've watched many services online. And again, I'm not bad-mouthing the technology. I'm thankful we have the live stream. I praise God for every one of you who's watching. But there's just something different. I mean, back... When I was at my, you know, the, me and Sarah were at the church we just came from, in South Carolina. We had to go to live stream uh, because there was a cap on how many people could be in the room. We had 10 people was the max in South Carolina at the time. 10 people. And we lived half an hour away, so we weren't going. We were going to watch online. And thank God we got to watch online, right? But I was sitting there one morning scrambling some eggs. <laughs> listening to the hymns. And I'm like... And then it just, it just dawned on me, like, who am I worshiping right now? What am I even doing? <laughs> I'm feeding the cats, and I'm, and I'm making the eggs, and I'm getting the coffee, and, and, and I'm kind of chit-chatting with Sarah, and we can't, and my computer wasn't very loud anyway, so we couldn't, and the sound quality was off, we couldn't quite hear it. So, I mean, who knows what the preacher had to say? Who knows what the songs were? It was very difficult. That's really different than being here in person. I don't see any egg scrambling going on. I don't see any hot plates in the back pew. It's just so different, isn't it? 
There's something fundamentally different about being here in person. The dynamic of hearing the word of God preached in person. Of singing the songs in the room where the music's happening. The spirit moves among us in a way differently. Differently. Here in person than he does through online. I'm not saying he doesn't move through online. Don't hear me wrong. I'm just saying it's different. It's very, very different. Watching at home in your pajamas doesn't quite quite give you the same experience. And so, if at all possible, hear me clearly, if at all possible, your priority ought to be that you will be here, that you will gather in person here with the body on the Lord's day to worship God as He commands. If possible, you'll be here. Now, again, that's two things can be true at once. So there's that, that's true, that, that, that thing's true right there. And now everybody's like, oh, hold on a second. Aren't you forgetting about, all right, here's the other thing that's true. Okay? I fully understand that this isn't possible for everyone because of COVID. If you have, let me just say this, if you have, let me underline this word, legitimate if you have legitimate fears or concerns, either for yourself because of higher risk or for a loved one who also has higher risk, I am not in the least suggesting that you should be careless and neglectful and, you know, take off your mask and go around licking doorknobs. (laughs) Don't anybody leave here and say, well, my preacher told me to lick the doorknobs on the way out the door. He said COVID wasn't real. No. You did not hear me say that. If anybody has a legitimate risk, concern, or fear, and there are some, there absolutely are some, that's fine. I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I'm not trying to point fingers at you at all. Please, please don't misunderstand me. I am not telling anybody to be careless. I am saying this. Mere comfort, convenience, and any illegitimate fear is no excuse for disobedience. If you could be here, but you're not, because it's more cozy to stay home and watch... You're abusing the ability to stay home and watch. Get up and come to church. If it's just comfort, if it's just convenience, or if there's an irrationality to your fear, that's no excuse for neglecting to meet together. There are legitimate cares, fears, concerns, and you absolutely should take those seriously and take care of those. Don't be careless. Make good choices. Be wise. But if you don't have those and you're still not coming, check your heart. I said there are two main types of gathering I want to mention. That was the first. Gathering for worship. The second is gathering in your homes. 
All the same caveats about COVID that I just said for point one there about gathering for worship, they all apply for gathering in your homes as well. So I'm not going to repeat them, just apply them to this point too. Gathering in your homes. 1 Peter 4, 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Oh, don't you hate that he added that part? Bible's going to ruin my day. That's right. It will. Fellowship happens in gatherings. But those gatherings should not be limited to this building. That's another obstacle that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. One of the obstacles that we have to face is that we start thinking that our whole Christianity exists inside this lovely old box on Sunday and it never happens out there. Thinking that all my Christianity has to happen here. The church has to have a program. Or it has to have an opportunity. It has to have a group. It has to have a project. It has to have a service, an event. And that's where my Christianity happens. And it doesn't happen anytime else. Thank you very much. I'm here when the doors are open. But I'm not living it out in my life Monday through Saturday. That's an obstacle we all have to deal with. Fellowship happens in gatherings, but those gatherings should not be limited to this building. You must do these one another's out there, guys. Out there, in your lives, in your homes, in your cars, as you go out and spend time together in restaurants, stores, coffee shops, parks. And especially in each other's homes. The Bible calls us to hospitality. You should know what the inside of each other's homes looks like. Don't just open your hearts. Don't just open your lives to each other. Open your front door. And invite people in. Invite people over. Throw parties. Have meals. Host events. Host a small group. Let fellowship happen where you live. In your comfort zone. This is a ministry opportunity for us. Find a visitor. Find a member you don't know well. And invite them to eat lunch one Sunday at your house, not just Longhorn. You will blow them away if you do this. Hey, are you new? Hey, I'm so-and-so. This is my wife. We'd like you to come eat lunch with us. We, we made a little extra, and we were on the lookout for anybody we didn't know well, or anybody who was visiting. And the Lord led me to you. Do you, you guys want to come eat? And if they say no, fine. But if they say yes... God has opened a door for ministry to do the one another's the way we've been called to do them. And you know what? It might, might be awkward. That might get real awkward. What if they're not, I don't know, what if they're not easy to talk to? What if it's weird? What if it's stiff? What if it's like, oh, I cannot wait for these two hours to be over? Let it be awkward. You live two hours and it's over. And you'll never have to experience that awkwardness again until you invite the next couple to come over. <laughs> Embrace the awkwardness. Let it happen. Just let it happen. Uh, give the Holy Spirit something to work with. And just watch what He'll do with our body. Watch what will happen in our church when we do these things. It's a ministry opportunity. 
Let it be awkward for an hour. Then try again. We need to get over ourselves. We need to get past our petty hang-ups and our personal preferences for isolation and for selfishness. And be the body of Christ Monday to Saturday, outside this building, not just here on Sunday. Welcoming one another involves gathering with one another, gathering in person for worship, and face-to-face with each other in our homes. We have to learn how to build these bonds. We're not, some of us are not naturally good at this. So we have to learn. We have to practice. We have to give it a shot. And you will get better. And you'll get more comfortable. It'll become easier. You'll know how to do it. You'll be an expert. In no time at all. We need to learn how to build these bonds. These relational networks. These personal connections out there in our lives. So that we can truly be the body of Christ and love each other. And live out these wonderful one another's for our good. And more importantly, for God's glory. Alright, finally. Welcome one another means going together. It means gathering together. And it means growing together. Growing together. We open our hearts to provide a place of belonging. We open our homes to invite people in to live life with us, to have a common life. In addition to gathering for worship. And finally, we welcome one another. Welcoming one another means opening your souls to each other and letting others into your relationship with Christ. We are called to be Christians with one another. Christian fellowship, specifically, explicitly, Christian fellowship doesn't just mean hanging out and having good, clean fun. It can start there, but it's never meant to stop there. More than that, much more than that, it means opening up who you really are and sharing your true spiritual self with each other. All of us are broken. All of us are sinful. Nobody here has it all together. Your pastor doesn't. None of us have it all together. Every one of us struggles, fails, falls, falls short. All of us battle different kinds of sins and regrets and stuff from our past, baggage and blunders we've done in the past. All of us have spiritual issues, things we're strong at, but things we're really weak at in our Christian lives. But we feel like we need to put on a religious mask and pretend we're better than we really are. We feel that pressure to act like I've got it all together. I don't need your prayer. I don't need your prayer. I don't need to. I don't need your help. I don't need counseling. I don't need any help. I've got it together. I will deal with it myself. And never let anybody into your Christian life, your relationship with Christ. I understand that temptation to cut people out like that. 
I absolutely get it. We all do it. Welcoming one another is about building the kinds of deep friendships as brothers and sisters in Christ that are so firmly rooted in the gospel that we feel safe enough with each other to be real, to be raw, to be honest about ourselves, about our sins, about our struggles. And if people believe this isn't the kind of place they can do that, they won't come and they won't open up and they won't participate and they won't fellowship and we'll stay divided and we'll stay weak and we won't grow. We have to change, church. We need to change. We need to let other people see us for who we really are. But we need to trust each other enough that we give each other the gospel when we confess that we don't have it together. Because if, if I think I open up to you and you're just going to come back with judgment and look down your nose at me and all that, who wants to go to a place like that? I wouldn't. I'm not opening up in small group if that's how it's going to be. I'll tell you what I'm dealing with. But if, but if we know each other, if we're love and peace and we're gathering and we trust each other enough to give each other the gospel, you will not recognize yourself, church, if we get this down, if we start doing this. You won't recognize yourself. You won't recognize this church. The Holy Spirit will begin to clean up all that old junk. All that old junk that I'm sick of carrying around, and I know you are too. That's how we welcome one another as Christ welcomed us. So let me end with this word. I thank you for your patience. Let me end with this word. What an incredible church this would be if we would live like this. What freedom, what joy, what growth we would experience, what glory we would bring to God. This is what God's calling us to. It's challenging, it's hard, it's uncomfortable, it's biblical. This is the foundation of all the other one another's we're going to look at. This right here. This is the path to the abundant Christian life. Jesus has in store for you. And Jesus has in store for our church. A world of abundance we haven't yet tapped into. I want us to go there. I believe the Holy Spirit's about to change our hearts and transform this place at the forks beyond our belief. Let's pray that he will. Because this is a gift we need from him, not something we can do ourselves. Let's pray that he will. And let it start with us. And let it start today as we strive to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks and praise for your word and for the power it has to change lives, to change minds, to turn us around from the way we were going, to put us on the narrow way, to walk the right path. Lord, we're in need of your grace every hour. We're in need of your mercy upon our sin. Lord, help us to begin to move outside of ourselves and to welcome one another in the ways we've looked at today from your word. Help us where, we've, where we know we're weak, where we know we're not very good at some of this. Help us not to be paralyzed by guilt or plagued with past regret. 
but to look with new eyes on this church and on ourselves and on our body. Our body of believers here at the Forks. Help us move outside of ourselves to open ourselves up and begin striving towards the high calling you've put upon us to be members of one another and to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Oh, may we be so rooted in the gospel that this becomes the kind of place where it's safe enough, trustworthy enough, biblical enough that we can be honest and open about our real selves and we can find the change that we need and the healing that we need together with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Will you please do that for us, Lord? Let it start with us. Let it start today. We ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.